We know you are always on the go. That's why we have Vidgul Mobile. It's our site made for you while you are on the road. And all you need to do is log in to vidgul.com on your mobile device. To learn more, go to vidgul.com forward slash mobile on your computer. Before we start, we want to make note that this program does not express the views and opinions of Vidgul, its parent company, Genthany Enterprises, Inc., and its employees, affiliates, licensors, and agents. So, if you have a problem, don't blame it on me! Now, in high definition, you are watching Vidgul. Hi, Kangoer. It's Candace here. We're back uh, Sunday for Midsummer Fantasy Renaissance Fair. Got it right again. Um, this is the Sunday edition, and it's still hot. And we'd like to say congratulations to Anthony for surviving sleeping in a tent for the first time in his life. You said it was your first time. You didn't even know how to put up the bloody thing. Exactly. You had women doing women's work. This is the con-goer, out and about. I am here with... Stephen Hirsch. From Athena School of Arms. So, um, what we do is we teach uh, historical European martial arts. So, swords like this, starting in the medieval era. So here, take that. Oh, this is heavy. How much do you think it weighs? That is, I would guess like, um, 30? 30 pounds? Yeah. No, 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 this is not 30 pounds. It weighs less than this three pound weight. Really? Absolutely. So why does it feel so heavy? Because this why feels lighter. It feels so heavy? Yeah. So, 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 first of all, part of this is your perception. You're used to thinking of swords as heavy, and so you expect it to be heavy, so you <laughs> think of it as heavy, even though it's not. The reality is the sword's nice and light, okay. and as you can see, it balances very close to the cross guard here. So what we end up with is a very light, nimble weapon here, okay? Um, and it works very well as that. So starting in the 14th century, people who trained in the use of these swords actually started writing down the instruction they received and how to use these swords. So um, knights, priests, middle class, uh, city folk were getting instruction using these swords. Uh, a lot of these books survive, and so my group and groups like mine all over the world work from these sources to reconstruct historical European martial arts. And we do approach this as a martial art, what we do is not stage fighting. Uh, we actually do hit each other during our shows. You'll see my guys put their gear on and actually hit each other, um, and we actually do free fencing. And we actually do this at a competitive level as well. If you look behind us, there's a board there that has recent victories on it. And you can see there's lots of wins on there, uh, various of my students um, at various tournaments. So we compete in this, um, and what we do is, uh, and we do take this, this is an entirely martial art. So if you only competed with blunt equipment and only did free fencing, you'd basically be playing stick tag. We want to have a historically accurate understanding of what swords did. So what that means is that another aspect of our training is training with sharp swords and actually cutting things. Um, and we can give you a little demonstration of that in just a moment if you'd like. Um, sure. Put a sharp sword, uh, put a sharp sword in Andrew's hands, actually have him demonstrate cutting stuff. Um, so, uh, cutting with a sword um, is not about like power or brute strength, it's about techniques. The sword is very, very sharp and it cuts very, 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 very well designed to do grievous bodily harm very readily. Uh, like, um, so, like, what would be the death toll if you were on the other edge of this weapon? On the other side of this weapon, so, I should say. So one of the things that's interesting here is that in the medieval era, the death toll in warfare is not all that high from weapons. The armor is very good, um, and so the death toll tends not to be all that high from the actual weaponry themselves. Um, and so 
The sword is also a sidearm, so on a battlefield at least, you're going to use these like, spears and lances, things like that. And the sword is more when lines get really close or during a judicial duel. So there's this concept in medieval law of um, when you're suing somebody, one of your options for settling the lawsuit is a judicial duel, wherein you or your champion will fight the person you're suing or their champion, and then God will decide the victor based on who survives the fight. All right, so uh, what are you cutting up? So we cut water bottles. Um, they're small targets when we use small water bottles like this, which means that our accuracy is being challenged as we cut this. Um, they're not the most difficult thing that we cut. Um, we cut a lot of more difficult targets, but I don't bring those to Ferris because there's a lot more work involved in getting them set. So the first thing I want to demonstrate is how easy it is to cut. I don't have to do this crazy wind up. I'm not going to have to come all the way through like this. Instead, I can simply do this to cut. Right? And that was it. That's all it takes. Okay. Oh, wow. So my foot traveled from about here to here, and that's all it took. Um, so uh, another nice thing that we could demonstrate with a sharp sword like this is why Europeans used straight double-edged swords. It's because you cut with both edges. Okay. So I could cut with the back edge of the sword. Now if I'm looking into the camera, you can see this idea that if I'm holding the sword straight out in front of me as and I've just finished a cut here, okay, I'm actually open on either side of me. So it's possible for me and my opponent to hit each other at the same time. One way of solving this problem is for me to cut such that my sword is across the line here and I'm still cutting uh, with my blade here as I'll demonstrate in a second. Um, and so this gives me a way to safely cut at my opponent while not getting hit at the same time. situation of approaching the target, measuring distance, and so on. What we want to be able to do is execute multiple cuts in a row and start from out of range like you would during a fight, approach my target, cut, and then withdraw in good order, well, ready to defend myself if that didn't actually work. Oh, yeah. So, the last thing I want to demonstrate is um, the other thing we could do with swords. I'm going to go ahead and do, so just put one up and we can demonstrate. So, you can grapple with a sword, okay? Because you can grab a sword blade. Um, and in doing so, you are safe, okay, as long as you're grabbing a stationary blade, okay? So I can grab my sword blade, okay? And I can hold it firmly enough. I can grab my sword blade, and I can hold it firmly enough to deliver. Oh, that's right, I need to not talk while I do this thrust. That's what we learned last time. Right? And I can hold it firmly enough to deliver that cut, and my hand is fine. Wow. So this is why in the middle of a sword fight, if you see us free fencing, you'll see us occasionally do this thing where we grab the other guy's blade, wrestle, and so on, techniques like that. Um, so that's the, that's the thing we can realistically do, and I've just demonstrated the reality of that. My rod hurts, um, but apparently we need to clear here. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for Absolutely. your time. Yes. As we continue on and checking out more of uh, midsummer. Yes. And boy, it's hot like the summer.
Hello, we're back here at Midsummer Fantasy Midsummer Fantasy Renaissance Fair. I am here with Mama, the proprietor of Mama's Place. <laughs> so how are you liking our Midsummer so far? Oh, I love it. This is our third year at this location, and it's just gotten bigger and better every single year. Not only have we had an increase in patrons, but we've also had an increase in my most favorite, which is our volunteers. When we started this, we probably had about 75 people volunteering with this fair. We're now up to 150 volunteers. All of that you see around you is all volunteer work. Nobody gets paid. We do this out of the goodness of our heart. And I'm the mama. I take care of them all. Make sure they all get fed and watered. Water is the most important thing. Medical Mike, yay. <laughs> but yeah, and Mama's Place is essentially a food tent, but we kicked it up a notch. We make it interactive. We make it so that you really feel welcome and you feel like you're at Mom's. There's a couch, there's a hutch. We have performers. We have a royals table for our visiting royals. And it's just a great experience. I think everybody should experience Midsummer Fantasy Renaissance Fair. Awesome. So, uh, is this your is this uh, your third year running Mama's Place? This is. This is the third year. I started out as your typical volunteer coordinator who just gave people a place to come and get something to eat that was provided by the fair staff and it just grew into mama's place I had this brilliant idea everybody has always called me mama because I do take care of everyone and a few years ago we had this idea of why have this boring tent with nothing in it plus being the volunteer coordinator I needed a base of operations because everyone is forever looking for me and so that's why we went to mama's place and it's just a hit um, I make sure that the guests feel welcome that the, that the volunteer feel welcome. It's just a wonderful place to hang out. So I'm guessing you'll be back here doing Mama's Place next year? Yeah, they won't let me quit. <laughs> I, I've tried. It doesn't work. <laughs> I'm kind of stuck with it. Yes, yes. So, and I have, we have some of the best volunteers ever. We've got um, trash trolls um, headed up by Doug Eager, who just does a fabulous job walking up and down, making sure that the place is great. And there's Mr. Doug now. You off? Are you off the clock, sir? Oh, hello. Hi. How's it going? Hello. How are you doing? I am doing well here. Yeah. Uh, uh, my name is Douglas Jaeger, and I am the head of Trash Troll. I like to call myself the head of Funk Water. And that uh, what I do is make sure that the grounds are uh, clean and green. Uh, we have green trash trolls. We love trash. We recycle. Uh, and uh, I have a wonderful time doing it, uh, interacting with uh, this, this seems like a fun fair to uh, just volunteer at. It is. It is. We, we had our cast party last night. We have so much food left over from the cast party, which again was donated by a volunteer that we're feeding everybody and their mother to. So make sure you guys get some food. Okay. Yes, yes. Please do. Yes. All right. I'll definitely make sure I'll eat and recycle. And I'm looking forward to. Uh, Anything go else going on today for Midsummer? Oh, there's all kinds of wonderful things. Of course, we have our headliner, Daniel Greenwolf. Huzzah for Daniel. He's also a general manager. Uh, we have Questless Company on the field right now. They have a wonderful, very, very funny act. Uh, we've got a number of performers here. We've got the, um, the Captain Tackless. We've got the Cars. Yesterday we had three pints shy. Oh, what an honor that was to have you here. Something did. I, I saw that concert. That was an amazing concert. Odd to think of a concert at a red fair, but it was. It's the Mama's Place effect. To the guilt, standing in the moment.
Awesome. Uh, do you have any uh, any um, advice for anyone who would like to come to Midsummer next year for the first time? Definitely check out our website. It's mfrenfair.com. Ferris boat with or without me, you'll still get there. Uh, that'll have all the information of our upcoming year. There's also photos and vignettes of our fair. And if you're interested in volunteering, I always need volunteers. Go to the contact site and look at the volunteer coordinator and look up my address. Email me. Let me know you want to be a part of it. We're always looking for vendors. We're always looking for people to attend. So definitely come next year. It's midsummer. It's always the end of June, beginning of July. And we hang tight. There's lots of water, so don't worry about the heat. Any 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 advice? Any advice? Well, again, uh, I'm so glad you're here. You see all the wonderful, magical uh, things that are happening. This is what fair is all about. And thank you for being here. And as we always say in Renfair world, Huzzah! 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 Hi, Congor. I am here with Patrick, the owner of the Midsummer Fantasy Renaissance Fair. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Um, so, Midsummer, how did that start? Midsummer started um, about four, it started in 2009 as a collaboration between uh, me and uh, Matthew Jacoby and Jeff Mack. Um, and in 2011, uh, the, my two partners left, and Daniel Greenwolf and um, a lot of people who used to work at the Renaissance Fairs took over and, and uh, run it pretty much exclusively now. So, so what makes the Midsummer uh, Fantasy Renaissance Fair different from all the other Renaissance Fairs out there? Well, the Midsummer Fantasy Renaissance Fair is the only Renaissance Fair in the East Coast that has a fantasy cast. Uh, elves, dwarves, and goblins, and that sort of thing you might have seen, you might have seen walking around. So, um, it's, you know, and so it's actually, instead of being nearly like Dungeons and Dragons is actually like Dungeons and Dragons. So this is kind of like a Dungeons and Dragons renaissance fair? Pretty much, except um, we, uh, the, the D20s would be too big, so we just, we just go with it. Just go with the flow. Um, so um, how, how was the fair this weekend? <clears throat> our first weekend, we beat our record. You know, first best weekend uh, attended ever. Second weekend, same thing. Yesterday we had 745 people. Um, to beating our previous record of 600, 693 people, so beating it by 49 people. Um, so we're hoping to have the best attended weekend uh, ever uh, again this weekend, which would be totally awesome. So that's, uh, that's what we hope for. Awesome. Um, <laughs> is it usually this hot when you're Renaissance Fair? This, uh, with the dates we have, um, it's cooler than the, the dates that we've had in the past, which is, we used to have midsummer a month later, um. making it not midsummer at all. But um, yeah, we have some 80, 90 degree days that people, people seem to like to show enough that they come out. Now, how, how, how do you manage it with the, the heavy garb that we get stuck wearing, like bodices and leather and corsets? Well, I don't wear too many bodices or corsets. Um, you'll, you'll notice that my blue shirt here is uh it's, it's, it's pretty um yeah well no so in all seriousness our staff we we encourage our staff to um to, to drink a lot of water to stay you know and our patrons to stay out of the uh you know to stay out of the sun you know stay in the tents and so on and so forth so um the other thing that we you know we hope to be sort of a more humanitarian fair you know we we give uh we give some money to humanitarian causes and the, and apparently a lot of fairs have policies of no outside water and um, which I, which I, which I didn't like. I figure that in, in, in conditions where it is hot, um, even if it you know hurts our vendors, then um, 
or, or hurts our vendors' water sales. We allow outside water, but not outside anything else. So that's that's how we, we try to take the edge off of, of the heat. Um, do you have any plans for uh, next year's uh, midsummer? Next year we have an all new script. Uh, Daniel Greenwolf's brother, uh, Jim Myron, is uh, becoming an assistant general manager. Um, we learned how to do things a lot more efficiently, you know, this year, and um, and uh, we have this really great build manager, Gary Porter, who's a master carpenter, and he makes these amazing things. Uh, like over there, if you, Vidgil, if you can catch the the, the TARDIS right there, <clears throat> Gary. Gary Porter uh, made that for somebody's wedding, and he probably did it in about 48 hours. So, and he, it's all the amazing things that you see uh, put up around the fair, the gazebo, the, the archway, um, the mead hall, all those things are made by Gary Porter. And he, and we would not be able to, to afford nearly this budget if this guy didn't put in a ton of time. So, um, you know, and in general, we just have, we have an amazing staff of managers and volunteers this year. Awesome. Uh, do you expect to uh, get any bigger? Would you like need a new venue soon, or do you guys stick to your land? We don't need a new venue. We don't need a new venue soon. I mean, I think you know we're probably about 50% capacity. Um, you know, and at the busiest times, we've been growing and growing and growing. Um, but uh, we're, we'd consider in, in, like another weekend. But you know, at this point, we don't need another venue. So, uh, do you have any advice for anyone who just who would want to go to Midsummer for the first time? Um, come. Just come? Bring other people. And drink lots of water? And drink lots of water. Yep, you heard it here, folks. Come to Midsummer Fantasy Renaissance Fair next year. Because it's fun. It'll be awesome. You can check out our website at mfrenfair.com. And we'll have the dates for next year up within, uh, within a few weeks. So... And if you want to volunteer, the, the links are up there, or vend, links are up there as well. So thank you guys for coming. Thank you. And I see a whip, so I'm going to go play with it. Want to get our videos without stopping by our website? Then subscribe to us in the iTunes store. Just go to vidgle.com forward slash iTunes or search Vidgle in the iTunes store. That's V-I-D-G-L-E.